0: and let's get trusted somewhat happy hour with
1: Josh Vest. Welcome to the Somewhat Happy Hour podcast. I'm Josh Vest and my guest today is a performer I have seen on and off for the past 20 years. The first time I saw him perform was in 2001 and now he uh, is currently in a brand new show which we'll talk all about. My guest today is the legend, the last ringmaster, Mr. Jonathan Lee Iverson. Hello and welcome
0: hey I appreciate that I'm, I'm gonna run around telling people I'm a legend you are a legend <laughs> I mean I'm gonna take you... that audio bit and that'll be on my on my voicemail
1: <laughs> hey that's it would be an honor uh, but it's, it, it's such an honor to have you on the on my podcast I have like I said I've seen you for 20 years 2021 20, yeah I saw you in 2001 with uh, the 131st edition of the greatest show on earth. Oh
0: yeah, Bow and Bellow show. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah, oh, man, uh... that's going
0: back. That was a fun show. Yeah. That was a really um man, that was a memorable tour. That's where I met my wife and got married too. Really? We got married at the uh, uh United <coughs> Center in Chicago, <laughs> Illinois, right after a show, too.
1: Really? Yeah, so was, like the whole cast, cast in the uh, in the wedding and everything?
0: No, not the whole cast. Circus people and nosy so nobody knew we were married for like three months. No, um nice. Yeah. So we, um, it was just a few of our friends, um, okay. from the cast, who, like who could shut up. So, um, <laughs> we took them and, uh, we went up to a suite right mm-hmm. after the show and, uh, yeah, we got married. That's awesome. I love 20 that. years later. <laughs> shocking. 20 years later. She,
1: what a great, uh, <laughs> what a great story of how, uh, how you had your wedding. It was a nice hush-hush wedding.
0: It was uh, a small event, you know. I mean, I know. it was lovely and it was intimate, but it wasn't big. And and I left it up to her. I said, look, what do you want to do? Because, yeah. you know, that's a woman's decision. That's right. not the man's. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, mm, what do you want to do? You, <laughs> no, I want to man any way anyway you say. Okay, so I've got that sealed. I don't want to hear anything 40 years from now. Look. <laughs> and they do say the, the people who, like, get married in those modest...
1: Uh, settings they last longer, longer yeah <laughs> now was this in between shows
0: yeah absolutely so we had a 10:30 show it was okay. november 15th 2001 it was on a thursday and uh we had a 10:30 uh, uh, school show that's what we used to call them mm-hmm. and funny thing about it we met the um the minister the day before <laughs> uh we just randomly walked into her church um, uh, it was a Presbyterian church or whatever. And we, we literally said we were, what well, we're looking for a minister to, uh, uh, preside over the wedding. That's and, amazing. Uh, she looked at us like she, we were crazy. Um, <laughs> and she sat us down for counseling. Um, and I could tell you, you know, listen, um, I think counseling should be embedded in, 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 in that type of, uh, uh, pursuit, um, it should be requirement a requirement for you to get your license mm-hmm. um, in fact i think people should actually have 6 months of counseling mm-hmm. and they should have like a, a like a a couple who's been married for more than 2 years as mentors <laughs> for 6 months is this is serious that, stuff that's man? maybe that's
1: something you could uh you could look into later yeah
0: when i run for office that's what i'm going to do
1: but uh, yeah, we
0: met the lady, met the wonderful uh, pastor, and uh, she counseled us. And she was like, "Well, when do you plan on doing this?" stuff? mind you, this was Wednesday. We said, "Well, uh, we want to do it tomorrow. You you around tomorrow?" And she yeah. looked at us like we were crazy. And uh, she we uh, she says, "Oh, that's impossible. Um, I, I'm going to the circus." <laughs> my kid and we said oh that's great that's fine could you do it after the show we're from there we're in the show and she like i mean this lady's just looking at us stunned uh, okay she came there in a frock and everything it was hilarious yeah she came to the show in a frock and everything and right after the show she enjoyed it and we cleaned up and went up there and got married
1: that is epic what a great that's so funny uh, how many times have you played that arena since then?
0: Oh, my goodness. Countless times. Um, and, of course, you know, I was a big Chicago Bulls fan right? Uh, back in the 90s and late 80s. And notice I said late 80s because that means I was a real Bulls fan <laughs> before, you know, the emergence of Michael the champion. Um, and so uh, playing there was always a big, big deal. Um, I have family in Chicago, and the people of Chicago were always – I mean – really among the best audiences. Uh, Just wonderful people. Um, Never a dull uh, show. Always came out with a lot of energy, a lot of support. Uh, Great communities there. Um, I always had the privilege of, you know, maybe going to speak to schools or after-school programs, uh, meeting parents and uh, others who, you know, really uh, thought it important for their children to come and enjoy uh, the show and enjoy my presence in the show. So I, I've always loved Chicago.
1: I mean, you have world's, uh, world's best stage presence. <laughs> that's I mean, very kind of you. You, you can fill kind. an entire, entire arena. I can't imagine what you can do in an intimate setting. It's, it's, you oh know, man, it's that, That's
0: very kind. Well, you know, I was in competition with those doggone elephants, man. <laughs> you
1: know, when you're, um,
0: you know, your co workers 8,000 pound packaderns who can dance, you know, you got to <laughs> yeah. do something. And you right. never beat the, look. You know, the most humbling thing about uh, being in a Ringling Brothers show is that you're you're always second, Billy. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're humble about that because the four legged mammals are the headliners. Right. Yeah. Nobody's coming to see you. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're coming to see those four legged mammals, and, right. and rightfully so.
1: <laughs> so, speaking of Ringling, uh, of course, that's something we're going to cover today. I I had to dig through my. Uh, my my uh, collections of Ringling Brothers stuff to find this. I am wearing the out of the world T shirt, the final yeah. T shirt. <laughs> um, it's it's kept in a, in a nice box uh, in a frame. But I thought, you know, this is the only time I'll wear it, and then it will go straight back into the box. I love um, it into the frame. Uh, and so you were with Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus. Um, what? So so tell me about how you got involved into the audition. Yeah, you know it was
0: um, it was it was uh, really a stroke of wonderful luck. I was, um, you know, as you already know, like with my history, I was on my way to an opera career. That's mm-hmm. what I was gearing up for, and so um, upon graduating the Hart School of Music um, at the University of Hartford, which was back in May of nineteen mm, something, and, uh, <laughs> and so uh, I, maybe wow, only five months after that. I was just running around trying to get work, and um, the the goal was to go to Europe. I was um, set up with a teacher; we were going to live there and really just, um, you know, cut our teeth and and really learn the craft even more. Uh, And so I just needed funds. You know, I was just trying to get some work, and I happened into this audition for the Fireside Dinner Theater Christmas Show. Uh, And the audition was held in New York. Uh, And uh, I was, it's a wonderful dinner theater, by the way. It's family owned. It's out in Fort Atkinson, Wisconsin. Um, The audition was held at NOLA Studios in New York. And um, I was being auditioned by uh, the great uh, Phil McKinley and uh, their producer, Ed Flesh. What's his name. He looks the way that sounds. <laughs> no, but he's a great guy. But um, they were both there. Um, uh, wonderful guys, man. Wonderful guys. And uh, they were very kind to me. I mean, absolutely kind to me. Um, they were impressed with my audition. And then I received this call uh, from Feld Entertainment, like, that evening of the audition. So I was told, "No, we want you for the fireside, but, um, listen, what would you think about, um, we, we want to know if you're interested in auditioning for ringmaster ringling brothers. And that was just such an odd thing, you know, to hear. I, of <clears throat> course I knew about ringling brothers. I grew up in New York city. So I would go to Madison square garden quite frequently, uh, for the shows and other events. And so it was a big deal. Um, I wouldn't call myself a circus fan per se, um, it was just a part of your childhood in New York. you know, it was just part of tradition. Um, I always remember the bigness of it, you know, it was just so big. I remember the smells because it's like it's a sensory overload, you yeah. know, the popcorn, the sawdust and the manure, the whole bit yep. it all it, you know it all <laughs> it all comes together in this interesting circus smell. and um I yeah, I just remember downing cotton candy stuff like that so when they asked me about that i was like uh yeah sure i mean i'm looking for work so i said yeah i'll audition for it and it wasn't anything i, I could just slide in on mm-hmm. um you know i was up against about 30 other candidates uh for that and uh but i i sensed that it was destined for me because The director phil mckinley he was he was so funny because he had this look on his face every time i was singing and announcing and he was kind of tipping me off um (laughs) that they were really looking closely at me but you know i was young and naive and goofy so i didn't know much (laughs) but i felt okay this might go somewhere but i kind of put it out of my mind you know i thought okay i'll do this dinner theater thing and we'll figure out something else after that and um but it kept progressing i they uh, had me do a recording, a video recording for um, uh, the producer, Kenneth Fell. and uh, they sent that over, so I, I sang a song, and I um, did the famous, ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, and that was it. And uh, then my next audition was while I was in Wisconsin doing a fireside dinner theater, and it was for uh, the legendary Tim Holst. Who was our uh, back then our uh, vice president of talent and production? Basically, our, our our recruiter of talent worldwide. I mean, that man, he had more miles. <laughs> he covered the globe like <laughs> all year long. I mean, and I honestly, really, I I I used to uh, covet his job. You know, I thought, man, okay, when I get to a certain point in my career, like when I, because I my plan was maybe I'll do this for twenty years. And I'll still be single in a bachelor and I want that job, you know, and, and that was the plan. Cause that would, gosh, right. man, yeah. do that, um, yeah, but, uh, I auditioned for him in Wisconsin and, um, you know, right then and there, that was it. And, uh, they offered me the job and you know, the rest was history.
1: <laughs> now what was the audition process like? I would assume it's very different from when you go audition for an opera or a musical, uh, I mean the, the the material you're given. What what kind of material did you have? No, you,
0: you know um, that's a, you know <clears throat> it's a similar process really. Um, they're they're measuring you up for the type they already have in mind, um, which is something I learned doing the whole uh, cattle call for you but, know, yeah. auditions for various musicals and um, different plays and things like that. Is your talent really is honestly. 20% of it. If
1: you fit their, their type went, or if you yeah, can fit into that costume, you know, that's, I yeah, think too, you, you, many of those you, auditions are right. Oh, especially into when
0: shows where, you know, Broadway does that a lot, right? They have the replacement,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and, and people have to understand, you know, um, it's mostly not about your talent. I mean, literally you have a whole casting system there that they're thinking of all sorts of logistics, um where and i've had people tell me this before i had producers so i have casting directors tell me oh, my goodness you would be so perfect if you were since if you weren't so tall <laughs> you know you're just too tall for the role or something like that and i and i got it i said okay i get it look i mean those costumes are expensive so yeah. they've already made it for a certain body or um you know in one instance <laughs> i went for an audition and it was gonna i was gonna be with this um particular uh i was going to be opposite of, of, of this lady as her love interest and the gentleman he did, he literally stopped me and he said look man your voice is so perfect and i i wish i could but he said to be honest man you would it would look she would look like your daughter <laughs> and I, I and i got it you know i mean it's so much that goes into it you know it's like george clooney uh, the Academy Award winner George Clooney once said, he said, you know, I go in with a positive attitude. You have to remember they're for you because it makes their jobs much easier. You know, if you come in there and you're the one, <laughs> you know, right. and the, 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 but, the, you know, here's the great thing. And this is my advice to everybody who's in that hot pursuit. Um, the number one thing you need is endurance, uh, endless optimism, knowing that no is just uh, uh, it's an acronym for next opportunity. And the reality is, when you're auditioning, and I've lived this right, you're, oh, those casting directors and and, and, and uh, uh, producers, they have an array of things they're always casting and putting together. So you may not be what they're looking for for that particular project. But I've had call, I've really I've received calls three four years down the line for stuff because they remembered me from someone. I mean, that happens. That's a reality. So there's no conspiracy against you. You know, I I always tell people, man, have all the endurance you need. Um, Keep being meticulous and dogged and unrelenting about your preparation. Be ready. Be ready. Be ready. As my uh, my great choir director the late great dr walter j turnbull used to say to us when we were in the boys choir of harlem he would say only the pure in tone will survive and you know it, it, he was right you know it's about being ready just being ready because that the all you need is one yes everybody's in sales man That's right. Everybody's in sales. So all you need is that one. Yes. And it would change your life. I mean, and that's what it was for me with Ringling Brothers. I mean, it wasn't like I walked out of college and all the world just fell at my feet. You know, I was going for different auditions here and there. And it was like, you know, it wasn't happening. Um, And, you know, I remember I I went to I was in a competition, actually, uh, (laughs) that I had forgotten about. It was so crazy. I did this uh comp in the Maryland horn competition and uh, i ended up in the semifinals it shocked me i mean I don't, I don't know why it shocked me um and most of my teachers were like why would you be so shocked you're, you're gonna do something with that voice but um i was in there with um some really wonderful talents i made it to the semifinals and it was out in indiana indianapolis indiana And um, I remember very clearly, this was back in 2001, and there was a a wonderful tenor there who I heard, man, um, uh, Lawrence Brownlee. And I I heard this guy and I went, "Ooh, yeah, you're going to have a long career. (laughs) And uh, sure enough, he's like he's he's the I mean, I consider him. Among the greatest uh, uh, tenors in the world, Um, he's always working. He's brilliant. He's one of my favorites, and I put him up there with uh, the likes of uh, uh, Pavarotti and uh, Domingo. I think we'll be saying his name like that when he comes to the end of his career. But he's—I mean—he sounds exactly. He sounds better. Obviously, you grow, but I mean, I heard that technique then, and we were—I was like, okay, yeah, I heard him vocalize. I was like, oh. I was like, okay, this, he different <laughs> That's why I ran away and joined the circus I was there like, you oh, he different No, but um, it's, it was great um, So I had all of these different um, stops along the way um, And it just hope it so happened that my, my yes came In a most unusual way, too, you know I had no, and that's the thing, too Your plans, forget about your plans Forget about your plans. Stick with your vision. Forget about your plans, stick with your vision. Um, because your plans God laughs at them. Life uh, life's going to go, oh your plans? Okay, I got something for you, you know. <laughs> you have to be unrelenting about your vision. That's your job. Um you know, many are the plans of a man's heart, but God has the last say. And you'll, you never know, you know, I mean, right now we're celebrating today as we're doing this interview, we're celebrating the great Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And I don't think people realize he was a, he was an intellectual genius. I mean, this is a guy when he was younger, he was skipped multiple grades. He graduated high school, like at 16. Yeah. Graduated college about 19, had his doctorate uh, soon after. So he was a young, brilliant Young man, and he probably had plans to just be a, a successful uh preacher in his, Georgia. I mean, his granddaddy was preaching, daddy was preaching, his brother was preaching. I mean, it was a family business, right. um, you know, and I'm sure he would have been perfectly content with that, but you know, like like Moses, man, you know, that that, that burning bush cubs, and it's like, I gotta do what. <laughs> You know? And so I don't think he had a, I'm sure he didn't have a vision board or something, but um, I'm sure like, if you look at the trajectory of his, his short life, even from when he was a kid, there was something about uh, justice and equity that was uh, an empathy toward that, that was always there. And, um, you know, it's just interesting. I do believe, you know, there's, something setting our lives up and we do make choices. I think we're, we're, we have, we are involved in that. I could have very well said, oh no, I don't want to do that circuit thing. That's beneath me. I'm going to go and continue in my opera career. No, I mean, I could have very well, I mean, life is a series of choices, but, um, you know, my vision was to, uh, you know, I wanted to use this voice and I wanted to use it in a big way. And you and, did. Um, and what could be are. a bigger way than the greatest show on earth? <laughs> you know, in fact, here's something. If People love that motivational. So so here's something. So I had a wonderful mentor who um, actually helped pay for my um, pay my way through college from the Hadara Foundation in New York. And I, so I was like a part of the first uh, class of this generous, generous uh, real estate mogul. He uh, really loved the arts. And so what he, he put together was this foundation where he would um, bring mentors in for each of the students in the arts and, you know, who were, had careers within the fields that they wanted to go into. And, you know, we would have meetings and, you know, he would, you know, give us his philosophies on life and things like that. And um, one of the things he did was he had us write down, write like a note to ourselves and then he had us folded up and put it in like i think we put it in a safe or something that he had and i remember on mine i wrote and the note with the subject was what do you want to be doing a year after you graduate college and so i was like okay well um, i want work and what i went to school for <laughs> yeah uh, i want to tra- i want to i want to travel the country i want to, i would i want to i want to cross I want to do a cross-country road trip. That's what I put. It. I want to do a cross-country road trip. And um, I think I was put something else in. I said, I'll write a book. Two of the three I hit. Now, people are going, my wife, if my wife, when my wife hears this, she's like, yeah, you still need to write the book. You know, <laughs> right. People have been on me about the book for years. But that was the only one that didn't happen. Uh, literally right after college, I wow. ended up getting, becoming the voice of the greatest show on earth, an American icon. And Mm -hmm. boy, did I do cross country (laughs) Yeah, yeah, on a train, no less. So, um, yeah, I mean, it works. I mean, you put things out there, you don't spend your time worrying about it. Um, I think, you know, you have a vision of something. I don't think it's your business to try to figure out each step. I think your, your business is to just Keep yourself in preparation mode. Do what you can do every day. Do what you can do every day. Um, you know, take advantage of your resources and relationships. That's a big thing too, because people say, "What's the secret sauce?" Don't be an asshole. Yep. <laughs> nobody wants to work with. I don't. Care. You can be the most talented person in the universe. I don't care who you are. It, look, people. It, people. They are repelled by assholes, and I've right. seen it. I've seen it in every form of business, you know, I mean, in every form of business, relationships are more are worth more than all the gold in the world. Relationships. That's that's what's going to get you there. That's what will sustain you. That's what will keep you going. Have good relationships and not to get anything, but to be genuine. And believe me, they 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 pay off. They pay off big
1: time. Oh, I love that. I just got a motivational speech, and now i got chills <laughs> and uh, want to make a difference. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, so I want to just first thank you for all that. Like, wow, I'm processing it all. And <laughs> that's great. It'll be in uh, the book. <laughs> and yeah, I can't wait. Uh, <laughs> so the first time I saw you, actually, I would have been, yeah, 2001, uh, the Bowen Bellow was, yeah. the, was that the actual theme I know that was a big mm-hmm. part of the show okay. oh show yeah um, and I I remember it I actually right in front of me uh, I have as my mic makes a lot of noise I have the VHS that's oh, all you know Man, the was VHS. So thin. Uh, and um, it's it's something you know I have a challenge now uh, I've been seeing performers from circuses uh, it seems at the end of 2021 and 2022 I've seen two uh, performers that I saw over the course of 20 years. Uh, the first one uh, was David Larible. I mm. saw him in uh, Circus Vasquez, and I was going through a box one day, and I found a VHS with him on it. And uh, I I went to see the show, and I, I asked if he would sign it, and he goes, wow, how old are you? This is so <laughs> long ago. Uh, I was like, yeah, I, I remember. I've been seeing you forever, and, um, and now I have – uh, this one, and uh, I'm coming to see your show, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Uh, and I'd love to get that signature on that as well, and it will go onto the, onto the wall of fame that I Absolutely, have. Absolutely, of course. Um, <laughs> uh, so the Bowen and Bello show, uh, that started and, and, and you performed alongside Bello Nock. Yes. Uh, what, what, is, what is he like when uh, you're performing? I mean, he's an iconic performer, one of my favorite performers of all time. What is? Oh yeah, uh, like?
0: is a rascal. <laughs> he's a rascal. He's, he's a rascal, and um, I mean, to be honest, he really is. He's really. Uh, it's it's really a phenomenal thing to watch. You know, mm-hmm. I I I've not been around somebody with that kind of energy and consistency, not just on the arena floor or on the stage but even off the stage you know he's he was always constantly in motion. Mm-hmm. you know like you go to his dressing room and it was like its own show he had instruments there he had all kinds of gadgets he was he was always working his mind is always at work you know um it's his culture which is something I always uh, applauded him about, is that he wore his family name with really great honor and great respect. And, I mean, obviously he did them a great service by carrying on. I mean, they're about, what, eight generations? His daughter, who I remember when she was a baby, um, is now, he has three children. So his youngest daughter, who I'm not surprised she's doing what she's doing now. She's the dare daughter now. Yeah. when she was a kid, I mean, she used to climb on my leg, and I, you know, they, they had this little game. They just get the they, she wrap herself around my ankle, and I have to walk with her through the halls and stuff. And um, she was always charming. But Bello is something really phenomenal. I mean, and I, I think that was a, when I started working with him. It was really the first time I really realized that, um, you know, unfortunately, American circus artists just don't get the flowers that they deserve, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting now that with the advent of reality television and all these mm. competition shows. So, you know, every now and then I'll accidentally happen upon one and I'll see a circus performer doing something. I saw right. every day and night yeah. and all these people just floored. they just, Oh my God. And, right. they're all, yeah, yeah. and I'm going, wow. Like they just don't know. Right. Like, they just don't know. Like, and it, it, it's it's beautiful and it's sad all at once because it tells you how much we have lost our ability to wonder, yeah, for wonder, and that's a problem to me, you know, because that's where I mean I think um, and I don't know if he said it, but I heard he said it. I mean Einstein uh, apparently said if you want to create geniuses, read them fairy tales, you <laughs> yeah, know, um, imagination is, is better. <laughs> you know, imagination apparently is the ultimate thing he said. And and I believe it. I mean, you know, you, you I don't I think with so much information coming to us now, we're deluded with misinformation. Right. Yeah. And so the, the imagination suffers. And then we have it also invites a great deal of cynicism and skepticism mm-hmm. in everything you know yeah. even the most obvious scientifically proven stuff people are so right. everybody's a skeptic now you know it's like yeah, they're yeah, not okay. even healthy skeptics just, Right? skeptical would be skeptical it rebellious exactly. would be rebellious yeah. so there's no sense of wonder i mean that's why look I'm the, i mean i i am honored by um admirers like yourself of Uh, uh, Of the circus world Especially Ringling Brothers And things of that nature Because, you know, it reminds me Oh my goodness, okay, people haven't lost uh, Complete faith in that I mean, there's You know, there's a wonder to this stuff And I think that's why circus is so So immensely vital I think the Mm. arts are so immensely vital Because it really encourages Inspires and stirs up our ability to just wonder to, yeah. to really just, you know, what can I do? And maybe, you know, you're not going to be the next great Stephen King or Bellow knock or John Coltrane or, you know, or, or Lena Horn but you can be this imaginative, innovative doctor, mm-hmm. or you can be this innovative salesperson, or you, you know, <laughs> I mean, whatever it is. I mean, I, I think that's, that's the thing that's uh, really missing. And Belonok really taught me that. I mean, I really enjoyed just watching him. I mean, the guy was made of steel, man, <laughs> to do what he did night in and night out and still does, man. It's really mm-hmm. quite awesome. And and yeah. it's really when I really became prideful about what it is I was doing. Right. You know, because I will I'll, look, I'll put circus up against any performing art. It is the zenith of human artistry and animal Absolutely. artistry, of course. Because yeah, yes, yeah, you know, I I do theater still. I'm I'm in a musical now. I'm yeah. rehearsing for uh in a Winter Park, Florida, a Winter Park Playhouse, a beautiful, lovely, uh, wonderful theater there, and um we're we're working on a new musical called Traveling, a 1930s yeah. Harlem, uh, romance, and um, it's great. You know, oftentimes when I'm doing plays or musicals or operas or whatever. You know, and I'll uh, – the thing I get a lot is people, they, they're so enamored by how calm I am during the process. And, <laughs> you know, you see the young person who's probably just getting – starting they have all this anxiety. And I remember pulling somebody to the side. and said, let me ask you something. Are you 40 feet up in the air on a trapeze rig? And, no. I said, that means you'll live. You know, I yeah. mean, you don't have to be perfect. <laughs> you know, you're not in a cage – with, with lions and tigers, you know, right. you don't have to be like, you know, if I miss a line, I've always told you, I miss a line. I miss an, I'll live.
1: Right. <laughs> the yeah. only
0: thing I'll be is embarrassed, right. but I'll live, you know, I mean, uh, somebody like Bello Knock has an off day. He might not, you know, right. and I've been in the midst of it. And when, you know, an artist probably not a fault of their own, you know, mm-hmm. there was a rigging issue. There was. Something. I remember
1: the the one that happened a few years ago.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, there's always something, and you have to trust people. And quite frankly, and respectfully, um, listen the the stage isn't always the safest place. There was an opera house out in Russia somewhere where a piece of rigging fell and and killed a 36 year old. I think it was about 36 year old wow. opera singer. Um, wow. So yeah, you know, stuff happens in Mm -hmm. live entertainment. Um, So it's not always the safest thing, but, you know, the high risk of circus. But that comes with the high risk of imagination. Sure. And and I think that's the thing we have to... I I really hope this country, especially here in the United States, um, I hope the world, but especially here in the United States, because I have a stake in it (laughs) more directly, that we steer ourselves back into that imaginative state. Mm -hmm. Like, we can... I mean, all of these technological advances that we have going on, we could do some incredible things, incredible things um, that really can serve humanity, Mm -hmm. you know, and and, and really just advance us. We're advanced by how we, you know, we're advanced by wonder, you know, I mean, dipping into his imagination, stretching ourselves, you know, I'm I'm fascinated by, you know, people like... (laughs) At Stephen Hawking, you know, I mean, the guy had ALS, man, and he outlived the prognosis. Yeah. And he was still doing extraordinary work, and he yeah. couldn't move a muscle. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, and there's a gentleman now, and I forgot his name. I read this incredible article, but I hope people go into it. But he's doing some innovative things. He's literally donated his body to science. Uh, He has ALS. He's another one of these brilliant scientists out in the U.K. Mm -hmm. And right, they're literally making him kind of a cyborg. And, you know, they created an avatar with his facial expressions. They're actually building a voice box that will actually be authentic to what his voice actually used to sound like. Wow, and you know, and he's still alive, but I mean, you know, that at, ALS—I mean, it's a it's a yeah. generative disease, so it's basically you're there, but your brain, yeah, and that's it. And he's going boldly into this. I forgot his name. I wish I remembered his name, but it, it's <laughs> such an amazing article because what he's doing, um, I think, will will open up a lot of exploratory um, uh, uh, ventures for. The disabled community and yeah. what we can do in medicine um, that we haven't thought of before, and that's what I'm talking about—the mm-hmm. power of wonder. And then and he—I mean, this gentleman again—I forgot his name, and I hate I forgot his name, but he came to the sciences through science fiction movies,
1: right? You know, and I you love that guy. That's incredible.
0: Yeah, he can't, and he—I think like he. I mean, he's done some incredible work, just incredible work in in computers and science and stuff like that. And and that's what I'm talking about. I mean, that's where tomorrow's great scientists and tech geniuses come from is, you know, it all it, it works in sync. You know, it works in sync. And when we would perform our show and when we do circus and things like that, I, that's never lost on me everybody's getting something from it everybody's yeah. not coming to oh man i want to be the ringmaster not necessarily you know i mean i i get i remember i this one this young man he wrote this lovely tribute to me he said you know i think he's into motivational speaking or something mm-hmm. and he said if you want to know why i'm the way i am and how i got into it he said it's this guy he said, I saw him when I was a kid. I had never yep. saw anybody who looked like me in that position with that That's kind of beautiful. authority. And he was good. And I mean, I hung on to every word and right. something about the way I, my, my elocution just clicked with him. You mm-hmm. know, I've met other people who said, man, I got into design because I saw how the costumes were made and something clicked with them. You know, people, You'd be surprised what people are watching in circuses, man. I used to have, my ego used to be checked a lot. You know, I, you know, some lovely lady would call me over and I'm going, all right. And she's like, wow, those crew guys are amazing. I'm like, are you kidding me? But, you know, but they are, you know, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're amazing. Like people watching the, just the logistics of how yeah. the, the, the sausage is made, right? You know, things like yeah. that, and because all work has dignity. And that's Mm -hmm. one of the great things you learn in circus. All work has dignity. It may not be a particular thing may not be for you, Mm -hmm. but it all has dignity and it's all interconnected. And, um, you know, that was another thing I just enjoyed with uh, the likes of Bello knock. And um, there was a wonderful, um, uh, wonderful trapeze artist who I roomed with and who had, I shared a dressing room with my first year. His name was Mark David. Mm -hmm. Um, And, I learned a lot of different things from these gentlemen and so many others. I mean, JP Therone, who is a, a daredevil, comes from a the, the Theron family and mm-hmm. just so many wonderful people with just great histories, great family legacies that they held up and how they re my respect for the synergy between artists. And, uh workers mm-hmm. and things of that nature how that comes together i mean i knew artists who would not do their act if a certain crew member didn't set it up sure and it because they respected their skill that much yeah they needed them to set it up and and that's how it had to be and look i mean when i saw things like that i was like wow this is something man i mean everything even i mean what the most dangerous thing i did in the show was ride afloat yeah. <laughs> but listen, you know, depending on the kind of night my float rider had before, you know, it could be a trip.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know? yeah. And I, I remember I had a couple of float riders who were like, wow, man, what are they doing? I mean, there's one guy he must have been nervous, something with immigration. I don't know, <laughs> but he was just terrible. And I remember I, my best one was this this lovely young lady from the Midwest. You know, she was uh, like it was like. I mean, it was like nobody was there. It was like it was, she was so smooth. She was the yeah. best I had. I, man, I was, I, I almost cried when she left. The show. <laughs> she that's was so amazing. Funny. She was so amazing. But that's what I'm saying. You have these just beautiful synergies with people, and, and, yeah. and you learn, of course, uh, all work has dignity and, um, you know, and, and it supports whatever you're doing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I Just to tail off your, uh, the most dangerous thing you did in the show, I, I now envision, you know, if it's a bad ride, it's that jerk of immediate, like, okay, here we go. Or, uh, you know, not expecting it to quite make a turn like that or, or something.
0: Well, it made and, me a know. better singer, you know, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, Cause you, you always ask, you know, oh my goodness, how do you your voice hold up? Well, I mean, I was taught to sing with my body. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you, you know, often my teachers would you know emphasize really get down there in your body sing from your feet yeah and um you know any opera singer will tell you i mean they're physically spent um yeah. after doing that because you're just you're you're summoning up so much energy and momentum from your body not your throat you're, it's like this doesn't even exist your throat right. is not even if you're really singing correctly your entire body's working Mm-hmm. And, you know, that'll that'll knock you out. I mean, I that's bet. why you don't see that's why you don't see eight, eight show a week Broadway <laughs> production, opera right. productions.
1: Yeah, because, exactly.
0: Yeah. It'll kill them. You know, <laughs> like maybe two a week, and, sure. you know, in the next month. <laughs>
1: yeah. 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 Uh, so so I want to go uh, from your one one thirty first edition. Which is one of my favorites. Yes. And then you went into Bailey's Comet, which is one thirty third, and then uh, that was your final show for a little while mm-hmm. uh, until you came back. Did you know going into the into that tour that, that this was going to be it for a little bit?
0: Um, no, I didn't. Uh, I just didn't. It was like you know I was going on for the ride, and um, I think what happened a quarter of the way through that tour, I just became exhausted sure um and i don't think it was the actual uh performing itself but uh i just didn't i wasn't really um i wasn't really happy with the environment Mm -hmm. um and you know like any workplace you know one of the things you have to be careful of is that 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 meddling creep of mediocrity and um there will always be people even in a circus Ironically enough, there will always be people who just want to put their feet up. Right. They don't want to progress. They don't want to. Do, they just want to get in a comfortable spot. And we all know comfort is an evil. <laughs> it's one of the great seductresses of all time. It's not a real thing. You don't get comfortable, because then you. I mean, that's not saying you don't rest, <clears throat> but comfort is. No, it, it it no ease as the great Denzel Washington said is is a is a, is, is a greater hardship. It's ease is uh, ease is what did he say? Um, basically, it's a greater impediment than hardship. Mm-hmm. Something of that nature. I'm paraphrasing, but it was a wonderful acceptance speech he gave at the Image Awards some years ago, and, and he was right. Um, and you have people like that who seep into the culture. And in a circus, that's sort of deadly. Mm -hmm. Because circus is a living thing. Yeah. Even for the producer. You know, I mean, circus isn't one of these where, you know, the producer just plops down their money and gets the people together and then goes off into his yacht. (laughs) It's a living thing where you have to have your hands in it. Constantly, it's like right. you have to, you have to grow this up, and you have to think. Feld Entertainment, of all of its shows, this one, and I've heard it from the Fells. This one was the most creatively exhilarating because right. they built it from the ground up. They don't build the Disney shows from the ground sure. up. Those yeah. themes are already set. They don't build right. the Marvel shows from the ground up. They don't build mm-hmm. the the monster trucks from the ground up. Though a lot mm-hmm. of those are brands that already have uh, notoriety. But Ringling Brothers, even though it was around longer than Coca-Cola and Major League Baseball at the time, it still is you have to bring something brand new. So you're creating a whole new world theme, whatever, each and every tour. You have to monitor that. You have to babysit it. You have to nurture it. You have to put it together. You have to do all sorts of things. And if you have people in there who are kind of you know they're just doing just enough mm-hmm. not to get fired right <laughs> but their just enough is infectious where it it just brings down the 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 the, the spirit of what we're about mm-hmm. it can have devastating effects and it did yeah. um, and I just I, I just couldn't deal with that after a while. I mean, it, you know, and because, you know, the the, the, the deadliest people on a circus are idle people. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> idle people, you know, they make all the mischief, you mm-hmm. know, and it, it, you're already exerting enough energy to perform right. and to go out and do interviews like these and mm-hmm. go out into the community, which you enjoy. Mm-hmm. But it's still draining. And then you have your own life to live. and then you have to deal with that on top of it. You know I mean, and that's the thing. I, I can't stand mediocre people. I can't because they know they're mediocre. Mm-hmm. And they're, they, medi- mediocrity loves company. <laughs> mediocrity is a poison. And they, they just they, they just kind of weasel themselves into a culture and they really do damage. Mm-hmm. And they are masterful in their mediocrity because they present well for some reason <laughs> they present right. well and somehow they find their way in there. And before you, you don't know what's going on until it's too late. And so that's what was happening there. And I sensed it. I didn't like it. I, I, it was crazy because I mean, who would not like going to a circus for work? Right. I just didn't like the environment anymore. Yeah. And, you know, my mother always taught me that, you know, when something doesn't sit well with your spirit in your mind, no matter how much money or whatever it is, it's not right. Sure. You know, um, and so you have to have a personal integrity about it. So, you know, my wife and I decided to leave, which, you know, I mean, practically speaking, was insane. We were with child. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I mean, this was a really wonderfully paying gig. It was a sure thing. Um, I used to have a lot of friends go, you know, who were, you know, schlepping it around during the cattle calls, going,
1: damn, man, you got
0: a a sweet deal there, man. (laughs) Just stick there, then. And, you know, they were right. It, to a large degree, um, but I went out into the world as you. As I you.
1: yeah, I, I remember you coming to uh, to Washington D.C. So I'm in Virginia, okay. Northern Virginia. I remember you coming uh, to do Carnival at uh, at the Kennedy Center, which uh, I, I was doing my my research um, <laughs> and I fact checked it. Uh, But, you know, and it's it's I'm actually going to the Kennedy Center again tonight. I'm seeing the Temptations musical. Oh, uh, yeah. Really good show. Uh, But, yeah, I thought it was um, unique that you went from the circus to the carnival, the the musical at the Kennedy Center. Um, And what was that like jumping from being in, in a huge arena to a huge auditorium. The Kennedy Center is not as their theaters are not small.
0: Right, right. Well, you know, I remember performing in the Kennedy Center when I was a kid with uh, uh, the Boys Choir of Harlem, mm-hmm. and going back there, I was like, "Oh, this seems a little tiny now." <laughs> yeah, <I> bet. <laughs> but it was still special because it's one of those places like Carnegie Hall, um, um, you know, the Metropolitan Opera. You know, it's one of those interesting theaters that just. They're special. Yeah. And um, it's an American treasure as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. And I was honored to do it. And I I mean, listen, I, I had the honor of performing with uh, uh, my favorite theater thespian, uh, Natasha uh, Diaz. And her father actually just received his Kennedy Center honor, yeah. uh, the great Justino Diaz. He's mm-hmm. one of the great um, Puerto Rican bass baritones of all time. And so, you know, she was just a marvel to me because she's a killer uh, uh, actress and, uh, you know, just a triple threat, everything. Mm -hmm. And um, it was intimidating and wonderful to work with her. (laughs) And um, we've remained friends ever since. But, you know, gifts like that was like, it's priceless. Um, And so to do that, his was funny, man. I mean, it's one of those things where I think God winks. Cause I mean I I got my equity card with that show. And oh, I'm going, okay. It would be a show centered around the circus, yeah. and I'm playing a freaking ring man. <laughs> oh yeah, that's really. And I, you know, I just I when I it's funny because when that happened, I in in somewhere in the I knew I was going to end up going back.
1: Yeah, and 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 you did. Uh, you went back for uh, Barnum's Funundrum, right? <laughs> that, uh, yeah. And and you replaced. I actually had this guest on my podcast. Uh, Mr. Chuck Wagner.
0: No, um, I didn't replace Chuck. You you didn't? No, no, I didn't replace Chuck. Chuck did his own shows, but they set up Barnum's Fenundrum. They called me about it. And and I saw Chuck, by the way, who I, I love Chuck's voice. Yeah, You know, like he has this wonderful, just, it's such a manly voice. <laughs>
1: it, it is. And even when he's talking, it's that deep yeah. tone that does not change. And it's still kind of, you know, you're sitting there in amazement going, wow. yeah, that's his it's, it's real voice. Really,
0: this is just resonates. Um, so, and he knows his instrument, man. He's yeah, one of he's, those veterans who just, he knows his instrument. And really. it's a beautiful instrument. And I mean, I enjoyed him and I honestly wish he had, um, I wish they made better shows to showcase him. Mm-hmm. That's what I really do. I'm, I, I, I just do. I thought he would, I really enjoyed watching him. I wasn't a fan of the shows that he was in. Honestly, right. um, that wasn't his fault. Yeah. Um, but they weren't the best. <clears throat> mm-hmm.
1: me. I just thought it was unique that you know bringing in a, a Broadway actor who yeah. I, that's where I knew him from was from the theater world into uh, and he was also know, Auto circus. Man. Yes, he was. And that was a big thing I was like, Oh, I know this auto man, I know who that is. And yeah, then, so yeah, I he's think a, he, a ringmaster and it's you know, he's done everything. It yeah, seems like he's done he, everything. He's one of
0: those amazing uh, showbiz veterans that mm-hmm. you just go, Wow. I mean, he's he's you know, he's been around, he's been there, done that, and mm-hmm. um yeah, I just wish he would have been showcased better. I think. Right. because he he I mean, someone of that caliber with that kind of voice, um did deserve it. I don't know if he, um, you know, I don't know all the circumstances uh, sure. of his relationship uh, with the circus back then, but um, they did call me for um, Barnum's 200th birthday. Mm-hmm. They were going to be celebrating. I thought it was just a snazzy idea. Uh, I thought, wow, this would be great. Um, and I was really happy to come back. I, you know, I'd stayed ready. I'd stayed ready. Yeah. You know, I was I was still performing. I was working out a lot, um, so I, I was good looking. I sound good. I yeah. felt good. Um, I and I had to come back with wife and two children in tow. You yeah. know, and so um, that that was a. I was very happy and very grateful to be back, and I felt like I was home. And it was very different, you know, coming back um, because I felt like I had more of a command of myself, yeah. and I felt I was less. Um, self-oriented. That's a nice way of putting. Yeah, <laughs> people who use that too. Self-oriented. Yeah, I, <laughs> I I felt I was less self-oriented than um than when I, I first mean, did it because yeah. I I felt more like I was giving a service in mm-hmm. my second uh stab at it than my first. At first, it was more like, oh man, how can I advance myself in career or right. whatever. But this time, I felt like, okay, I'm I'm really. Giving a service. And so mm-hmm. um, there were a whole lot of things I really invested in that um, really just held me up wonderfully for the last eight years I would do it.
1: Yeah. And it was such a, I, I think, with a theme like that and bringing, you know, the iconic Jonathan Lee Iverson back to the show was just the cherry on top. Uh, I saw that show so many times when it was here in Virginia and in DC. I used to go see them multiple times in each location okay uh and and so i just kept thinking wow this is such this is just perfect uh, uh way to come back into a show because it's celebrating all those uh traditional acts and things like that and bringing back in my opinion one of, if not the best ringmaster of Ringling brothers and and having it you know it's just it was a beautiful thing i
0: appreciate that very one much of my
1: uh, favorite shows um so and and you were with that was with the blue unit right or yes. So yes. I, was, okay. I was. I you was. We went, yeah, went from red to blue. Yeah, red to blue. Only one you yeah. never did was the. Uh, was it the gold? Was that with the smaller one?
0: Yeah, the, the, the smaller one was the gold unit. Yeah. You did you your did. homework. Absolutely. I did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, uh, the, <laughs> I, I didn't have the fortune, like Andre McLean, the American, mm-hmm. favorite yeah. cowboy. I, I
1: remember him when he was. Uh, uh, before he was a ringmaster, before yeah. he was all that, I remember seeing him with uh with his horses and, yeah. and hosting the pre-shows and he's so the only I,
0: ringmaster who's done all three shows.
1: Really? Yeah,
0: he's done all three shows. Yeah. Wow,
1: wow. Yeah, I, I thought it was really exciting to see him uh go from, you know, an animal trainer to the pre-show host to then a ringmaster and it was, you know.
0: And he did it the proper way, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. he's a he's a watcher. So or, or yeah. as we would say colloquially, he would be biting
1: <laughs> but, I like no, that.
0: I love Andre. He was great. He was great to work with. He would pick my brain a lot, uh-huh. which is what you're supposed to do, you know. I mean, you steal things, which is wonderful as an artist, you know, right? And um, yeah, it was funny because I saw, <laughs> I saw him do some move, something he did. I was like, man, that was great, man. I said, man, how do you do? It? He said, we talk about it. I saw you do. It. <laughs> I forgot I did. You know, you get caught in the spirit of stuff. But sure, I was always happy to. Um, um, I was always happy to share what anything, any sort of experiences I I uh, uh, enjoyed. I always wanted to share it with whoever was coming up. you yeah. know. Um, and, and you know, I always had confidence that he could he could do it. And um, you know, it was time to time he would he would be my understudy, and a sure. lot of um, uh, actually for all the shows that I was doing back then. And, um, you know, I remember when they offered him his own show. I was just so happy for him yeah. Um, because I knew he was, um, you know, I knew he could do it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he had the energy and uh, just, you know, he had the charisma, the energy. He has a wonderful, like, brassy baritone voice. He does. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, You know, so, I mean, I was like, good, man. Get out there and do your thing. You know, his wife is a wonderful talent herself, Um, you know. She's really a wonderful talent. I was hoping that they could develop her and, you know, see what we could do with her. But she's something else.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, now let's talk about the sad part of Ringling, And then I want to talk all about your new show, which I have become <laughs> obsessed with ever since the start of the pandemic. Yes. Uh, so it was what, 2017 when yeah. uh, the show closed. And uh, before I go into all of that, I, you know, so I've been a circus fan all my life ever since I was a small, small child. I, it's one of the first memories I have was going to see Ringling Brothers at, uh, in Washington, D.C. Uh, and, you know, I had this plan of, you know, I trained in physical comedy. I took classes, did this, did that, uh, while studying to be an actor. And I thought, okay, once I uh, get at least an associate's degree, I'm going to go, I want to just go to audition for the clown college or something in a circus, um, and unfortunately that ended, but that's, you know, something we'll talk about. It's not the end of the circus. Great. Um, and, and so, you know, that was such a, a, a time where I was like, wow, this is something that's been around forever and ever. And, uh, you know, that dream of being a part of this particular show was no more, but we'll talk about something in a little bit. And then, um, I really started to think about how Ringling Brothers, although it was iconic, there's so many other great circuses here that tour in North America. I Menly Brothers is not the only circus, which a lot of people think, oh, this is the circus. It's a circus. That's right. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of great shows I've seen. I've never seen this in person, uh, but I want to and hope it comes to this area eventually. And that is the Bernardo Circus. Yeah. It was created by another great ringmaster, Kevin Bernardo's, uh, And you've stepped in quite a few times. Uh, yeah, no. Kevin was him.
0: very kind. He was, um, yeah. Well, you, you know, he needed me to step in every now and then. Kevin's just, uh, he's, uh, he's the bee's knees, man. He's really the real thing. He's, I mess with him, man. I call him, I, I call him the Joel Osteen of circus, man. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> he's so inspiring, you know. Yeah, he's yeah, so I inspiring.
1: Mean- the little circus that could, and it's you know something that I've had friends that have seen it, and uh, I'm always jealous that they have gotten to see it live because it's a great mix of the world of circus, and then he brings this um, almost theatrical mm-hmm. aspect to it, which I think is really unique and something that really is special about his circus.
0: Oh, yeah, it's completely him, it's it, it really embodies his spirit mm-hmm. for Wanderlust, and um, yeah. You know, that kind of innocence. And it it also is, listen, uh, it's not easy being an impresario, being an entrepreneur. You know, Um, he's, you know, he's let me peek into that world a little bit. I mean, it's a lot, Um, but he's a tough, tough dude. And, uh, (laughs) you know, he he went through it and he's really just enjoying the fruits of all his work. Yeah, It's going to keep growing as well. Um, and, and I think the most exciting part about the whole process of that is seeing how he's grown, you mm-hmm. know, what it's turned him into. And, you know, to see your friend progress like that, it's yeah. inspiring. And um, I've, I've been just elated, been a fan of the show ever since it started. And seeing it every year, it just gets progressively better. The acts are even more dynamic. Um, yeah. and, but it still has that beautiful intimate uh, theme about it you know yeah
1: and that's I, I think that's just you know that intimate feeling to a show is something i find very important to the circus world because of you know it's it's just something you can't experience anywhere else until you correct. go to a circus correct and with an intimate feeling in a circus it's a whole other ball game yeah uh and speaking of other circuses <laughs> you have been a part of something that started uh, a few years ago and you are now, it went from a streaming performance to now a live show is coming. Uh, I can't tell you how excited I was when I heard that you were premiering in Tyson's, Virginia, Tyson's Corner. right? Um, which is, used, you know, I've seen circuses there. Uh, that tends to be a spot because they have that nice layout. Uh, and, and thinking, wow, that's a really cool show. And then I went, wait a second, I've, I've heard this name. I know this name. And and uh, <coughs> I realized that you are a part of it. You are uh, on the on the, <laughs> yeah. you're the cha- chairman, right?
0: Yes, I'm uh, chairman of the board. Nice. So my F- Sinatra fantasy is coming true.
1: <laughs> I, I'm, you know, so excited to talk about this. Uh, this is a show that I think is one of the most beautiful things that has ever, ever been created. I mean, you're giving opportunities to artists who, you know, need to be – it's just so beautiful. I can't wait to see it. I've been watching streams. I've been, you know, all (laughs) of this. And so not to get to see it right here in Virginia is so exciting. And that's – can can you talk a little bit about uh, that show and what – Yeah,
0: Omnium uh, – sorry. Omnium Circus is just uh, this beautiful brainchild of um, Lisa B. Lewis, who is the executive director and founder. Uh, And I've known Lisa for years, uh, just various gigs. She was uh, mainly associated with Big Apple Circus. Mm -hmm. But I didn't realize how deep into uh, her using her craft and clowning and other skills she was uh, with really um, wanting to uplift the marginalized. Like, that's a real thing for her. And there are people like her walking around. Which is, you know, it's not like some kind of shtick. It's like who she is. And um, she called me about uh, Omnium over a year ago. And, you know, I love the idea so much. I didn't think of about the insanity of us trying to start something in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> but as she said, you know, if not now, when she had had the idea in her heart for quite some time. And all we've done really is expanded the the already broad world of the big top. Mm-hmm. In that we're featuring, <clears throat> pardon me, we're featuring and normalizing, um, seeing people who are packaged differently. Put it that way, multi-able-bodied artists, and it's a humbling thing to to uh, to do because, I you know, exposure if you're open to it, you know, does wonderful things for you. Um, Working alongside of of artists who aren't made like me, Mm -hmm. you know, who you would call disabled. And I have an issue with the word because they are completely able. Yes. (laughs) In many ways. It's really, it's a a fascinating uh, lesson. You know, you learn their world, their culture, so to speak, and how, you know, they handle themselves in the world, but how they do these extraordinary things too, you know. And so I think what um, Omnium represents is really a, a a a a turn in society where we're inviting not only the arts world, circus and performing arts, but really society as a whole in yeah. how they see. Diversity truly, because when we talk about it, we're always talking about race or um, ethnicity and 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 you know immigration status and and people's uh, you know their orientation stuff like that. We rarely even address the disabled community, right? Um, yeah. People kind of forget them, and you know uh, to to know that there are so many out there who do have things to offer that are real. They are extraordinary. They are um, actually vital. I mean, it was said that the great Harriet Tutman was disabled. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, you, we don't even think about stuff like that because she's You think of her now, she sounds like an action hero, you know. Right. Exactly. Right. But I mean, you know, Jen Berker Bauer, our aerialist, you know, this woman is extraordinary story. Mm-hmm. Like just her whole life. And the fact that she just has this literally and I hate sounding like that person is when I see you, I don't see color. I hate that term. But right. when you see Jen like and you like really get to know her, mm-hmm. it's like, you. <laughs> I mean, the whole I. Like, well, she does have a. Ele- it's not something you fixate on. It's just, sure. you know, she's just this really incredible energy you love being around. Mm-hmm. and she's just this incredible because I mean quite frankly I am a waist of six foot four inches tall mm-hmm. I mean and I'm fully limbed and I cannot do a, a tenth of what she does with her with herself. cell I, I can't um and she's amazing at it and she has such integrity with her art I mean I'm working with this wonderful deaf dancer who's also an acrobat and She's amazing. I mean, and our interactions have been so wonderful and intimate um, because I've had to learn to communicate in her world. Mm -hmm. And she has been so fiercely fearless in showing me how to purport myself in her world. I mean, so we were at Gallaudet uh, University in that whole area, which is literally designated for the deaf community. Mm-hmm. And so I went to Starbucks with her, uh, which is everything was done in sign language. Yes. It was, and I, the only thing I said to her, I said, well, why is it so quiet in here? <laughs> I was like, you could be blasting music like crazy. Yeah. And um, it, we had fun. I mean, she was, she's like my little, she, I think of her like my little, she's like a little sister or something. I, you know, I mean, she's just like, she is a real dancer in her soul. Mm -hmm. And so that was something that was curious to me. I said, man, okay. Like, how do you work that out? You know, being in time with the music, how do you, and watching her work it's just, she's so creative. I mean, she's so physical and she and I are creating this language together Mm -hmm. in how we tell the story of Omnium. It's really quite fascinating. And there are just so many different parts that go with the show. I mean, Uh, Lisa Lewis is hyperly conscientious conscientious of representation, Mm -hmm. and it's not in that tokenized corporate way, which is what I respect so much about Lisa. She's not one of these people giving lip service to it. Mm -hmm. Um, She's open to where we're lacking nobody, you know, and, and I love that, you know, it's not, you know, a lot of people during the, a lot of the uprisings during the summer of 2020 um, centered around George Floyd and things like that. You know, you had a lot of companies come out corporations and everybody had some great statement to make. Right. And now we're here and those companies are still running the exact same way.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: And, you know, Lisa, I think, In creating Omnium Circus, you know, we're putting the gauntlet down. Okay, now, we're a non-for-profit. Here you go. Put your money where your mouth is. (laughs) You really believe in equity and justice and and equality for all people? And we're not just talking about just the disabled. We're not just talking about just black people. We're talking about Asians. We're talking about women. We're talking about trans. We're talking about LGBTQ. We're talking about, yeah, we're talking about poor white people. Folks, we're talking about all sorts of people. Um, You're really for that. Well, let's let's see you invest in this because what we're creating now with Omnium is a model. I think for companies to go by. And again, it's not a tokenizing because you actually have to be good in circus. You know, yeah. it's like with opera, you know, there are no gimmicks in opera. you got you right. got to know how to sing. Yeah. So it's the same with circus. You have to know what you're doing. So whether you're from the disabled community or whether you're black or white or Asian or trans or whatever, you actually first and foremost actually have to be uh, uh, competent and good at what you're doing because we're still presenting a show and we owe it to our audience to give them a high quality product. And that's really all we're saying. That's what we've always been saying. And wouldn't we be saying it around this time where we celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King? That's what he was saying the whole time. Absolutely. Like equity and justice for all. People don't, like people really don't want handouts. This is not hard. They just want a chance. I just want a fair shake. If I'm not good enough, well then that's fine on my own. Hey, I failed it. I wasn't, but not because I'm the other, but well, right. why should I be the other? Just, Hey,
1: it, give, it give a me chance. that that's, chance. Yeah. And,
0: and that's, that's really what we're pushing for. Um, you know, and I think it makes sense that circus would lead on that, you know, yeah. um, it makes sense that it would be this genre to do it. And so, you know, we're, um, You know, as you know, we were supposed to play three months Mm -hmm. in Tyson's Corner. It didn't work out for a variety of reasons. Um, But we're now, you know, we're still back in the game. We're going to have this uh, one night only performance in February. I think it's February 26th. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're looking forward to doing it. Um, There are other things in the works that are building up. We're a brand new company. We still have uh, virtual shows. That audiences can check out. Um, We have contracts with various different um, uh, programs where they actually uh, stream our virtual shows for their students or their patients and things of that nature. So you can always go to omniumcircus.org and um, really, you know, just get to know us, donate, um, partner with us, become, uh, you know, just come along with us for this ride because we're looking to do some really great and fantastic things. Um, that I think really will resonate beyond circus, and that's what right. we want. We wanted to resonate beyond circus. Um, we wanted to resonate from the circus to the boardroom, to every performing arts genre as well. We we really want to change how we view ourselves because the one thing I, I really I, I I I kept with me when I was with Ringling Brothers, especially that last day. Uh, May 21st, 2017, all these people screaming and cheering and hooting and hollering was all of these people, all these different people in the audience, you know, um, some of them come from distant lands. Some of them look differently than I do. They pray differently than I do. They love differently than I do. Um, but they all had this commonality that they all enjoyed this wonder that was before them. And, you know, to me, that's that's the magic, right? I mean, that we all everybody loves miracle, everybody loves the theater of the impossible, and uh, you know, that's what we're trying to really assert: is we have to get back to that place of wonder. And all yeah. people have dignity. All people have dignity. If given a chance, you know, and so that's that's what Omnium's about. It's in the name.
1: <laughs> you know. I, I love it. I love it so much. I'm a, uh, <clears throat> I'm a middle school theater teacher. Okay. And, and so I plan um, – by the time you all come to town, I'll be quite a few weeks into our new semester at school. And that is actually how i starting my semester is talking about your show. Wonderful. Uh, and showing clips, doing this, uh, maybe streaming it, you know, uh, just showing – my students who come from a, uh, uh, a low-income area, yeah. that the arts and the circus is something that can bring us together. And it's, it, yes, these performers are unique to themselves. And that's something that's very important to me as an artist, as a teacher, is uh, getting that message across that just because you might be slightly different than so-and-so over here doesn't make you less of an artist or a person. And I know that's such a big part of your show. And that's, you know, part of my teaching philosophy is showing all are welcome no matter what. And I know that is the exact same feeling I get when I watch the streaming performances.
0: Well, Uh, you know, teachers like you, really, I mean, I hope you never discount what you contribute. I mean, I think the gift you get is that, I mean, you'll never know, man, 10, 20 years down the line. You know one of your students could be holding an academy award somewhere exactly or a yeah. Grammy somewhere, or just you know heading their own company or teaching somewhere yeah and, and really passing on what it is you put into them. and that's really the tr- great reward is that you know this is a circle man that that's all circus is it's a circle. Each one, teach one, feed one. You know, it's like we're just passing it on. We're interdependent. Oh, okay, I can feed off this. I can, you know, that's what that's about. And, and the fact that, you know, uh, you're you're in that position, man, it, it's a powerful thing. Of course, teachers yep. don't get, you know, <laughs> unfortunately, you don't get the credit that um, yeah, I think you, you should. Um, I hope you never doubt yourself in that position because I'm sure it can be taxing especially, you know, depending on the school structure. (laughs) um, It it can be taxing. You can, you know, you can doubt, you can, why am I here? Um, Am I making any difference? I'm telling you, man, if it's just one student, if it's that one student that it could literally change the trajectory of their lives. I mean, you hear that all the time from certain people who reach a certain level of success. It's always that person. Somebody showed them that kindness. I mean, we celebrated the late, great Sidney Poitier recently. And yes. in an interview, that look, I'm not emotional um, at all, but boy, was I about to tear up. I mean, he talked about this Jewish waiter when he was a waiter trying to figure himself out. And he fell in the acting, but he was like, he was functionally illiterate. And he said, you know, his co worker, this Jewish waiter who was there, um, Approached him about it in a wonderful, gentle way. And he said every night for weeks after work, that guy, he would just sit with him and read. They would read. I mean, wow. that act of kindness yeah. spurred this gigantic freaking career. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like, you don't know. I mean, and that's that what is, I mean. That's I what had-
1: no idea that wow, that's so interesting. He's one of the most iconic yeah. and most respected performers of all time, yeah. not even just here in America, that, that throughout little, that, the world. Yeah, and that, that is, thing. yeah, you're so right that it's just that little difference you can make in someone's yeah. life. Yeah, and you know, like as I'm sure you know, you've performed for millions and millions of people and you have impacted their lives in many ways, you know, as a as an that's idol, the joy of it, man. That's the well. joy of
0: it. It's being a joy peddler. And that's really <laughs> what it's all about, man. I peddle joy. And, you you know, I, I love the fact. And look, I, I will never know most of them. I've been mm-hmm. privileged to hear from some, mm-hmm. um, you know, a, a wonderful gentleman. Uh, he's since passed the great, uh, late, great um, Frank Lynch. Uh, is a wonderful gentleman. He used to call himself the one-legged ringmaster he yeah. <laughs> you know, he's coming to our show And he was always reminding me How I, you know uh, yeah. You know, changed his daughter's life And I was like, what are you talking about man? He's like, and he'd tear up And he'd tell me the story over and over again But she would come to the show And she used to have braces And I used to have braces when I was a kid So usually when I'd see kids with braces You know, I knew some of them You know, it's, some didn't care But most, sure. you know, you kind of have The little insecurity. Oh yeah, and yeah. Um, you know, I'd make a, 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 a I give them some kind of little pep. It was in in jest, you know. It wasn't at their expense at all. Sure, um, I would say something like, you know, oh, you have braces. I have braces too. One day you'll be as good looking as a ringmaster. Something <laughs> like, that. you know, a little Muhammad Aliism, right? I and love um, you know, he's. I never forget. The, like years later, this guy comes up to me and he's tearing up and he's telling me how his daughter. Uh, he said, no, you have no idea. He said, "When you did that. Like she, before she was kind of like insular. And he said, like, she just opened up. Well, uh, she's since gone into theater. I think she teaches it. She, she's done a couple of films and things like, I was like, that's crazy. That like one little comment, but that's the power of it, man. I mean, you, you, I'm, I'm, I Look, I applaud you, and it's an enviable position to be in if you don't realize it, that you have that kind of impact, your word, just the things you can say. I tell parents all the time, man, you know, the great Stephen Sondheim wrote it, man, children will listen, you know, um, <laughs> and it's true. I mean, you, you'd be surprised. I mean, what we, just what you put out there. My mother always told me that. My mother always told me that when she said you got to be careful when you're performing, you know, because you're putting energy out there. So how you are is going to affect a lot of people. She would tell me that constantly. And um, she's right. She's absolutely right. She's like, and you're taking energy in too, you know, that's the burden you have, you know, because you're taking in a lot of, and that's some teachers go through, you know, I mean, I think they ought to have a decompression sessions for you all or something, you know, (laughs) like, I think every teacher should be given a, a, a psychologist that, that shadows you like at the I, of I every agree one
1: hundred percent. Because <laughs> yeah, you're taking
0: on a lot of energy because you're not mm-hmm. just those kids' teachers. You you're right. probably the only positive adult influence in their life, right? And in some yeah. cases, that's consistent. Yeah, you know, and I mean, but believe me, that that can resonate to places you have no idea who you might be talking to. Right. And that's the beauty of it. And that's how I started approaching every kid and everybody, because you have no idea who you're talking to. At that right. moment, they may be in a certain state, but 10, 20 years from now, they may be saying your name. This is how this yeah. happened. You and know, that's that's a reward in and of itself.
1: It, yeah. Wow. Yes. And, and, you know, like I said, you've inspired me over the years to. Uh, You know, when I started this podcast about a year ago, you were one of the first people, my goal guest was actually you, thinking Mm -hmm. of, well, he has this booming voice, booming personality. And, uh, you know, I started in the world of theater because there were no circuses here in Virginia. Mm -hmm. I was a young, and, you know, and the only people I knew that were in circuses were people that lived in the area that were former clowns or... Circus performers uh and you know would teach me how to do this, how to fall properly without injuring everything in my body or <laughs> juggling or things like that, or you know so you've inspired me in so many ways to like you know share my voice, share this uh deliver delivery I often reference you when I'm teaching about uh how to gather an audience's attention and keep it <laughs> all within a time frame. Uh, I, I'll often show one of their introductions of when you're giving the big ladies and gentlemen speech at the beginning of the show and how that you're in your voice alone just catches everyone's attention. Wow. That's community. awesome. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. I, you know, I, I might be a theater teacher, but at the end of the day, I'm, uh, I use more, uh, circus, uh, aspects to teach the world of theater. Um, and you know, I've, like I said earlier, it's such an inspiration. You know, I, when I, when we were e- uh, messaging earlier last week, I was sharing how, you know, it's one day we'll, we'll hope one day I, I get to just work with you, even if it's for five minutes that, you know, <laughs> that's all I care about. But, you know, I've, I've gotten back into the, since the pandemic and more taking more, you know, circus classes, stuff like that, uh, you know, starting to, the the bug has bit once again when I had the time and, uh, you know, working on auditions, working on all this—it um, never leaves, man. <laughs>
0: yeah, it never yeah. leaves. Uh, I no. mean, I had a ringmaster tell me that when I first started. John Fugate, he—he uh-huh. he told me. He said, "Look, he said, once that sawdust gets in your veins, man, you—you you won't there. be the same." And he was right. He, he was very—it's true. Like, there's nothing else like it. I think as a performer, once you do that, it's like, ooh. I, yeah. And I always tell people like the myth is you run away and join the circus. Um, I really think it calls to you. I really yeah. do. Um, and uh, for some reason, through opportunity, maybe you're born into it somehow. I don't know. But it, it really does call to you. And um, mm-hmm. if you if it gets into those veins, sawdust gets in your veins, man. Oh, yeah. It's... Everything else is like. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, I love <laughs> I love theater. You know, I've been an actor for years. But at the end of the day, it's just a step closer to, you know, when uh, those auditions finally fall into place. And, you know, God willing and with uh, whatever God has planned or, you know, all yeah. this and all that, we'll see what happens. Uh, but, you know,
0: just stay ready, man.
1: That's right. That's right. <laughs> As you said, you just stay ready no matter what. Uh, so I always ask my guests uh, what I call a, a random question round. Okay. And today, I have one for you. Um, and that is... Uh, Out of all of the circuses you've been a part of, and you've been a part of a few, do you have a favorite costume you've worn?
0: Wow. Do you have a favorite costume I've worn? Man. Good Lord. I feel like Cher. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I always said I look like Little Richard in Liberace at a baby or something. I just felt so glamorous, man. I mean, it was probably, I wore costumes like, you know, I mean, I said, man, only me and Prince could get away with this stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was, wow, man, that's hard. Um, oh gosh, they were all so wonderful. Um, can I name a couple?
1: Sure. Sure.
0: So I really loved my white costume in living carousel.
1: Yes, I remember that one. That was a beauty,
0: and um, and all of all of the costumes, every single one was divine. All of them. I love my gold one with the collar in yep. Bow and Bellow. The opening, I love that mm-hmm. one. Um, I, I, and I, I, gosh, I think the one that's sticking out to me is uh, my. Um, my gold costume in dragons, and like literally the the hat looked like a crown. Mm-hmm. It was lovely, and the the red boots. It was like it, they were like uh, it was like a dragon's uh, uh, yeah scales. Mm-hmm. You know that's how they were designed. Red boots and this gold costume. I mean, wow. Yeah, I think those. What did I say? About three. Yeah, those three really stick out for me. Um, all of those costumes were amazing, though. I mean, like just like just the artistry that's put into those things. Right. Absolutely incredible. Oh
1: yeah, beautiful. And um, do you have any of them? Do, I, I know usually you know they like oh no you can't take anything with you. But do you have I a wish, hat? One of your hats? Wish.
0: I don't. I don't have that kind of courage. <laughs> I know some people who, who you know, probably uh, happen to pun some costumes or something. Is right, something, but uh, me personally, no, I don't. Um, I, I guess I'm too honest or something. But <laughs> I, oh, gosh, I really wish I had that kind of courage because though, oh, they would all came up missing, right? Easy.
1: <laughs> That's yeah. Because when I was talking to Chuck uh, a few months ago. He, I asked him a question if he had anything from his time in Ringling Brothers, and he said, "Yeah, I took the, uh, I think it was his over the top hat." Uh, <laughs> he he told me he shared this story of how he just kept telling them this was made for me, and it's you know it's a uh, something I'd like. And he said he they they gave it to him or he got it, and it's now sitting in in a case with all of his you know show memories. They
0: never uh, gave me nothing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> really, you don't have. I, I thought for sure they might give you your uh, no. The, the final hat. From, no, uh, no, they,
0: I mean, you know, look, and it, it's theirs. Look, they pay for it. It's a lot sure. of money to make that stuff and yeah, maintain yeah. it. Uh-huh. Um, And I, it would make sense because they, they use a lot of those things for, um, you know, various displays. I mean, they have yeah. easily the, the greatest costume house and show business.
1: Absolutely. You know, just and, and, you that know, show and I, alone. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, With Raymond Brothers, when they announced that it's uh, making its return in uh, (laughs) 2023, I'm sure we'll see some of uh, some bits of costumes and you know out and about, and it only if it fits though, because well, that's that's that's, that's some excitement out through the
0: through the through the performing arts world. So I'm hoping they have something uh, wonderful in mind, and I really wish them well. Uh, Yeah, I knew they were going to come back because it made sense because when we announced we were going to close, all of a sudden we became Hamilton.
1: Everybody right, wanted exactly. to see a show. That's you know, when and, and I remember people coming up to me, knowing how I'm a diehard fan. They're like, Oh, you know, it's getting all this attention now. I was like, Yeah, this is the attention it deserved. All the time, and not just oh yeah, the circus because you know it's it's something that brings people together. Yeah, you know it's a part of uh, tradition here. uh,
0: Well, somebody miscalculated. That's yeah, yeah. That's what I told you uh... about the mediocrity.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean somebody clearly miscalculated, didn't? Yeah, see it coming. You know, it's it's what it it is. It's coming back, and I'm you know I'm very excited. Uh, I've sent in some stuff for uh, you know through their casting call, their latest casting call. So you know, there you go, uh, man. Do it, man. This is, uh, put you yourself know, I, out there right exactly What you know un, like you said no is just next opportunity next
0: opportunity
1: and, and i love that and uh where can we find you on uh, social media you can
0: always find me at bigtopvoice.com that's one word and uh there you can connect to all my social media on tiktok uh instagram facebook uh what else i got uh, twitter um my youtube channel uh which I'm building up. I'm actually supposed to be uh, resuscitating my podcast. Well, it'll be a podcast um, in center. Yeah.
1: Oh, I've listened to, to all of the episodes. That oh, was awesome. Uh, you know, yes. Yeah, so
0: yeah. I'm going to be working with uh, circus talk, uh, nice. which is a wonderful platform. Yes. I, I, I recommend it, Everybody to really uh, check it out. Circus talk.com. Um, so I'll be working in a uh, uh, conjunction with them to produce uh in center ring and I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be a lot of fun uh, to get back on it. And I I think I'm going to continue with uh, Ringmaster story time.
1: I, you know, I've really, really actually enjoyed those, especially (laughs) on the holidays. I was like, wow, this was a nice treat. Yeah. I Uh, mean, it was a lot of work,
0: but I say, you know, I think people enjoyed it and they have. um, I'm actually, I may be working on something with uh, uh, an organization that's really trying to push literacy um, nice. things like that. So I, I thought, oh, okay, so this can be kind of a mission because I really enjoy doing it. Yeah, I really do. It's just, it's time consuming. Um, but I, I, think, listen, I don't care if it's just one kid who really just, Oh my goodness. I really, right. you know, yeah. then it's, it's worth my while. So, um, I'm going to
1: do it. I, I admire that. I've been looking forever and ever and ever from that poster of, uh, uh, Encouraging kids to read, and you're reading. If I if I could, yeah, run away right, right. It's this, been in I,
0: the libraries. Yeah, if yes, I'm in a circus.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yep. And I have been searching high and low, offering schools, reaching out to librarians, saying, "Hey, do you have this poster from <laughs> many years ago that I know was very popular at one point? And nearly every school had one, right? Uh, but you know, so always on the lookout for that. Uh, you know, but you know, you are such an inspiration. Uh, you you truly are one of my heroes and, and I am so excited to get to see you live once again uh, here in Virginia uh, in just a few, just a little over a month Yes, uh, and the show, tell us about where we can get tickets and all that stuff for uh, Omnium.
0: Awesome. You can always visit omniumcircus.org and uh, for ticket information. So right now you can visit omniumcircus.org and uh, it'll all be there. I mean, we're looking forward to it. We can't wait. It's, um, you know, it's, one of those things, we'll be just doing it from uh, uh, one step at a time. Yeah. Just keep building the live uh, presentation. So right. we're looking forward to it. So again, OmniumCircus.org. Uh, you can uh, get your tickets. You can watch the virtual shows. You can really become a part of our community.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's performing in the brand new Tyson's Corner Theater, which is brand new. Yeah. And, you know, I haven't been there yet, but... Uh, uh, I'm really excited to go there and uh, see the show. Uh, it, it, it's going to be a treat. And, you know, my brother uh, is actually coming with me because he is also such a huge fan of yours. And he, Awesome. And I told him that uh, you were uh, in a show and he said, well, OK, let's get our tickets. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to go see him later today and we're going to get through that together. And uh, awesome. we, we look forward to seeing you and uh watching this this show and i can't wait to see what's next for the show so again i just want to say thank you so so much for being a part of the somewhat happy hour usually i have some kind of drink i have a cup of coffee behind me um and so i just want to say cheers to a wonderful conversation and thank you for everything you do and i cannot wait till february 26th so thank Uh, you so much
0: oh no problem i know i don't need to tell you this but to your listeners Keep the circus alive inside
1: you. Yes. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Somewhat Happy Hour podcast and our guest, Jonathan Thanks Lee Iverson. Hope you enjoyed the show. The dreams are over, and we hope that you know. If you're feeling down, just join the past. It's the Somewhat Happy Hour with Josh you <sighs>